On this episode of the Packet of Pod, we talk about the NFC Championship matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the Packers Pod and our website, PackersPodcast.com. Jones has 98 of them. Play fake here, though. Rodgers going for it all. Looking to bring it open. He's got it! Lazard! Gonna go! Touchdown! Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Pack It Up Packers Podcast. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. NFC yo, 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 yo. Championship, and it feels like we could actually win this one. <laughs> we were very hopeful last year, and uh, yeah, no, we that were, ended in about a quarter. <laughs> we were not hopeful. When we beat Seattle, we were all in Vegas, and we were playing craps afterwards, and all these 49er fans are walking up to us, and they're like, oh, man, great game. Look forward to it next week. We're like, we're not. We're not. That's not going to be good. Give us a second. Give us a second. I do feel like as the week progressed, we became more and more confident that we could somehow pull it off, that we always talked ourselves into Jimmy G. No way the running game gets going again. Yeah, if you're a gambling man, you got to get it out early because if you wait until right before kickoff, you're going to put way too much money on your (laughs) team against the spread. So we're going to start on a somber note, which is going to transition into motivational factor. Uh, RIP to our boy Ted Thompson, a real surprise death. And and looking back at his career as a GM, I know we used to joke a lot about not being part of these trades. When are we ever going to do this or that or this or that? Looking at some of the picks he had, his very first year as GM, he selected a guy I haven't heard of named Aaron Rodgers out of California. And the very next round picked up Nick Collins, who's Josh's like Mm. favorite Packer of all time. The very next year, first round A.J. Hawk. Second round, Greg Jennings. Like when he was on, he hit some major, major deals. Everything from Kenny Clark, uh, Devontae Adams as a second rounder. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. And it's crazy to see that it, it kind of caught everybody by surprise. But so many of these Packers, I mean, it's only been two or three years removed since he's been there. Lots of Packers now have this of we're in the NFC Championship at home needing redemption against the Bucks, and let's win it for Ted. So any thoughts you have on Ted Thompson as a whole? Yeah, I mean, absolutely amazing what he did. Even when, you know, the public, the news would all bash him for not making any moves in the offseason. You know, Green Bay at the end of the day, in his time there, was the second most winningest team behind uh, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. So no matter how much we critiqued what he did, he obviously did what needed to be done and has created the Packers into this dominant force that we are today with, like you said, key pieces that he picked up. Look at Josh tying it all together. He even includes a little Brady anecdote to lead into our boop, preview boop, this boop, week. Boop, boop, boop. Ryan, I think you need to discuss his parting gift to the Packers in his last month as GM. You threw that out as yeah. before we hit record. That was impressive. December 2017, his last official month as Packers GM, he signed off of a, another team's practice squad, Robert Tunyon, and extended Devontae Adams and Corey Lindsley. Those were his three final pushes as a Packer. That and worked out. 
Boy, did that work out. Yeah, you could arguably say Lindsley is the best center in the game. And Adams and Tunyon just single-handedly putting up 30-plus touchdowns. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that that's pretty good. I'll take that. So let's dive into this game. I, I'm beyond excited. I keep seeing the weather reports going colder and colder. Bring on that snow. We'll see what happens since the Packers played that crazy game in Tampa. Tampa has gone 7-3. and three. The Packers have gone 9-2. and two. I think arguably, and this goes for the AFC matchup as well, these are the four best teams, I think, right now in football. Like, they just, their defenses are clicking, their offenses are clicking. It's just going to be really, really fun championship weekend. Um, jumping back to that that game earlier this year, it's hard to imagine that we were up 10 nothing after the first quarter. In those drives, we had 134 yards and had the ball out of those 15 minutes for 12. Unreal. Yeah, you know, Until people you forget real- that. Yeah. Then... Two very bad throws in three plays. It completely washes out. The remainder of the game, we had 67 total yards. So when you say the wheels fell off, they fell off and then the car exploded. Uh, And since then, we've we've figured it out. The two losses that we had were to Minnesota. That was really the Dalvin Cook show. And then a Colts game, which I still am confident and am pretty sure we won somehow. Uh. But let's talk about this Buccaneers offense. Antonio Brown now is a part of the Bucs. He wasn't back then. Uh, Ronald Jones has now switched into playoff Lenny for this last two-game stretch. (laughs) So how do we feel about our defense controlling the run but then spreading out real wide with all the weapons that Tom Brady has? Yeah, no, I'm here more for, like, emotional support. I just have this feeling that everything's going to be good. So we're going to let Josh be the analytics (laughs) And I'm going to be the the Will Southern, Kerry Collins supporter cracking beers in the background. I, I pass the mic to Josh. <laughs> you know, uh, honestly, their offense, it comes down to how our offense has been so successful this year. That offensive line has kept Tom Brady up. They've kept him healthy, even in his old age, um, even though he looks younger than ever. I mean, that man, I think he has drank the fountain of youth. It's really incredible what he does with his body every year. He's on um, some good drugs. He, God, really is. Um, but anyways, it comes down to that offensive line. You saw last week, you know, the Saints defense is no joke, and they were controlling that front line, uh, making holes for both running backs. It didn't matter who had the ball. Um, and, and Tom didn't have the best day, um, out there. Um, but he did what was asked. Uh, you know, I, I honestly don't think I was very not impressed by Tampa Bay's play. Um, I don't think they won the game. Um, I think the saints lost the game. Um, and we'll get into more of that on the other side of the ball, but the, the offense, The offense doesn't make mistakes, so you just have to hold them down and then just hope Aaron Rodgers can score more. Um, You know, if we do get a turnover, I I think that's an automatic win um, in our favor. So it'll be interesting to see what they can pull off against that offensive line. You know what aligns perfectly with your statement, too, that the Saints defense was not the reason they lost the game. They kept the Buccaneers in check. They lost because of turnovers. They were very sound. The Saints were. And one of their techniques were deploying a heavy usage of defensive backs. And let's talk real fast about what the Packers have done during this week. They designated three players for return from injured reserve on Wednesday. 
Now, they'd still have to become active, but they're allowed to practice. Linebacker James Burgess, cornerbacks Cabion Ento and Perry Nickerson. And then they bring in good old Tramon Williams. Guy's been like waiting on the sidelines all year. So I have a feeling the Packers won on Saturday and they had their scouts watching, being like, let's just watch these two teams on Sunday. And they're like, hey, we need a lot of defensive backs. My question to you guys, do you think any of these guys actually play? Would you be comfortable with that? Because my opinion would be maybe there's some nice depth signings, but I'm not taking Tremont off the street and putting against Tom Brady. Uh, I mean, playing on the inside, anybody can succeed, you know, at times. So Tremont Williams, I think, could succeed on the inside. But honestly, I think it's just depth. You know, if somebody goes down, mm-hmm. there's, you know, somebody that can go in and, you know, knows the defense um, and it can play. Yeah, yeah, I, I would think. Yeah, I think it would just be Tremont as if you are going against this three-headed wide receiver, even if you want to include some of Miller and Scotty and all that group. But and then Gronk, I think Tremont would be there just because he knows this defense and he can mm-hmm. kind of be that last sort. The only thing I liked about Burgess too is Barnes plays so hard. If something happens to Barnes or With Kamal. His club. You, club hand yeah, already. You, you need you need some kind of big hitter that's going to just come in there and just be like, I, I will try to tackle everything in sight. Those are the only two guys that I would feel I don't need to see them a whole lot. But purely as if one of these guys goes down the secondary or if one of those two young guys goes back in our linebacking crew, it would be really, really nice to have somebody come in that just just wants to play defense to a top level. Picture this too: snowy, 20 degrees. Lambeau Field. Buccaneers start with the ball. Three and out. The defense is hyped. On comes the punt team. Who's back there to catch the punt? But Tremont Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Jamal. Oh. I almost got it out without laughing. <laughs> and he returns it for a touchdown. <laughs> oh, my God. No, no, no. Don't stop. We've already gone off the rails if that's going to happen. I do uh, think it comes down to we talked about it uh, specifically in that wild card weekend. It really, as much as there's talent on these receiver crews and in the backfield, it's quarterback play. If you look at Brady during the the Bucks losses this year, they lost five times. In those five games, he had 10 of his 12 interceptions and 12 of his 21 sacks. So when Brady got hit, when Brady made mistakes, that is when they lost – and, and you look at the same thing with Rodgers as a perfect example against these Tampa Bay Buccaneers of when things go wrong with their quarterback, these teams are in trouble. That you can have all the skill in the world with the Evans and the Godwins and the Adams, but if you don't have a quarterback that's staying upright and doesn't have that confidence level, both Brady and Rodgers immediately remove that Hall of Fame aspect from their game. That's what I love about this storyline. You got – Rodgers, this quarterback that's got a couple years left, but this year just feels good. And then you got Brady, who just doesn't lose this when the game matters. So if either team is up 10, it doesn't. It's still like a 0-0 game. Like, it just Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Like, no lead is good enough until the clock strikes zero. And the key to beating Brady has always been pressure up the middle. It's no secret anymore. I've been saying it for years. But this offensive line is playing pretty well. They got Marpet back at left guard. Tristan Wirfs is balling at right tackle that I actually wouldn't mind if you start moving Zadarius over to left tackle, let Preston get eaten up by Tristan Wirfs, or just let them battle. We'll, we'll phrase it that way because 
They're going to be competing. But try to get your pressure up the middle. Kiki's coming back from the concussion. He's practicing again. Maybe he can provide us, you know, 10, 15 pass rushes. Them fresh legs. And then put Clark and Gary up the middle and just try to force some of that pressure. If you can get that done with a four-man rush, this receiving core is dangerous. But I love that I don't think Antonio Brown is that healthy. So I think you can almost disrespect him and play him man-to-man and focus elsewhere. Yeah, and, it, you know, team tackling is going to come key in this game. You know, they they love the short and unders. They love getting the ball mm-hmm. in their playma- playmakers' hands, and they have plenty of playmakers. You know, we saw Leonard Fournette last week in a majority of the first half uh, rushes, but Ronald Jones is their lead rusher on the year. Um, even the announcers were like, well, we were expecting to see Ronald Jones, but here comes Fournette. Um, but so it's going to be – key that they last week was amazing their form tackling they're squaring up they're slowing down um it was a very good showing by our safeties and linebackers again and that has to happen again to keep these guys under control can't give up the good big plays against tampa bay they've been playing so good the defense for the last month and a half so good just keep keep everything underneath tackle draw out this game nothing over the top let Rodgers put up 26 and win this thing. Please. Boom, Please. Boom. I do think that their backfield is really, really interesting. Um, Ronald Jones went off on the Packers last time. Mm-hmm. And I keep kind of chuckling at this thought of playoff Lenny. I mean, he's getting very hard-earned yards. I mean, you look at the attempts and what he actually produces, and it's like, well, the man's running and running and running, and they're using him at quite an interesting pace. I do wonder, and this goes for both sides of the ball for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they played a very, very hard game against Washington on the road, didn't get kind of that two-score lead until I believe nine minutes left in the fourth, then go and play their rival in New Orleans, in which they're gifted four turnovers, and yes, they did produce off of them, but other than those 21 points, they only scored nine beyond that, just driving the ball. And they didn't get a two-score lead until five minutes left in the game. And Lenny ain't built the same way that a Derrick Henry is when he's running all those hard-earned mm-hmm. runs on the road. That I wonder if we don't see Jones more just because he's fresher. Uh, but either way, I think that we're light years ahead of where we were in rush defense than we were, uh, what was that, week six. That I think I agree with you that while I am very nervous about us going into this kind of soft zone because Tom Brady will eat us alive, I don't think that the receiver core is that healthy, and I don't necessarily feel scared about what this backfield could do, especially after these two hard weeks of play. Mm. And, and that sort of plays into Rogers' comment. Uh, they asked him, you know, how much the week six, six loss matters. And his response, paraphrasing, was essentially, I think it matters as much as the Saints beating the Buccaneers 38 to three earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was like, this is a totally different team at this point. You know, we're, we're seven and three at one point and, deter- and trying to determine which way the season was heading. And, and look at us now, Mom. We're so proud of yeah. ourselves. And we had no confidence in our defense back then. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. completely different team. Yeah, so I, I don't take that final score into consideration. I respect that they are very good. Uh, but, you know, as as we talk about Rodgers, the very good part of the Buccaneers is this defense. I, I don't know where you attack them. 
quite frankly. <laughs> They're so well, that's good. A, that's a perfect transition. Let's jump over to our offense, their defense. Uh, the Packers during this seven-game winning streak have only turned over the ball twice. Uh, and this this Bucks defense is really really interesting. They're the best rushing defense. This is all regular season, the best rushing defense in the league, but bottom ten in passing. But one of the stats that I want to pull out is something that we've been burned on in the past, and I think it might actually turn the tables a little bit in this game. They are the second most penalized D in the entire NFL. In the regular season, they had a thousand yards of penalties, which Holy is just cow. unbelievable. Wow. Look at this so, stat finder. Yeah, they're they're an aggressive defense. I, I really do think that the Buccaneers match up very well against the Packers in terms of they can beat the zone on an offensive side, and this defense loves to bring pressure top four in blitzes percentage and then top four in also hurries and sacks in the season. So how do we feel about Rodgers feeling comfortable? I know the Rams weren't all the way healthy, but – we faced a lot of, of, of key assets last week. How do we feel about them going against this Buccaneers defense this week? You know, I'm more worried about this defense than I am the Rams defense from last year, who everybody was saying was the number one defense in the last, NFL. Last last week, not last year. Oh, yeah, <laughs> last week. Woo, that went fast. Uh, but, uh, but for the simple fact of what you were saying is the game-changing plays. You know, last week, they really didn't have to do a lot to get those interceptions. They were sort of just gifted to them, but they caught them. It's one thing that the Packers haven't done when things are gifted to them. <laughs> so so even even the forced fumble, that fumble, uh, I mean, he literally, I think it was the rookie, Winfield uh, Jr., yep. punched it out of Jared Cook's mm, arms. I mean, that guy play. is not a small man. A so, huge play, too. Yeah, so to see them make those big plays when their offense was honestly struggling um, and to literally say, we'll win this for you, don't worry. I mean, they have that ability to just turn it on and get something done, and that's why I'm worried about this defense. So so here's what makes me feel a little bit better, and I fully respect this defense, and I'll jump into that too, but – Coming out of week six, I, I, I guess I just said I wasn't going to reference week six, but some of the ways that the Buccaneers won was they actually blitzed a season-high percentage against us, and it was 30% of the time in week six. And they had a lot of success. Both interceptions and two sacks were against the blitz. And coming out of that game, old man Rogers said, I'm not too worried about the pressure. It was us not getting in and out of the huddle. And he was saying, if I can get in and out of the huddle quicker, I can use those pre-snap adjustments. I can use the line shifts. I can call out hard counts to try to get a tell from the linebackers to see where they're actually, if they're coming or not, and if they're coming, what angle they're taking to see if they're trying to run a stunt with a D-tackle or not. Um, So there was a really nice article done on that bit on The Athletic. And I think you're going to see us get to the line of scrimmage a little earlier than normal. You know, maybe not break the huddle with eight seconds left and try to run off those plays because that's where the Buccaneers had a ton of success. So if that's an adjustment that allows Rodgers to have a little more time and allows the running back to pick up a blitzing Devin White and and connect on that pass as opposed to what happened in week six, I'm pretty confident that's an easy adjustment for a playoff team to make. Yeah, and and another thing that I highlighted back in week six was their secondary. You know, their safeties are still playing 
pretty outstanding. No, I, I just want to highlight Winfield Jr. You know, what a season for a rookie. 94 total tackles, three sacks, an interception, two forced fumbles. I mean, the guy is going to be a beast. And he plays aggressive. Like Foose was saying, they give up big plays because they play so aggressive. I would not be surprised if we had one or two large, you know, deep down the field throws. Please. Um, to some of our players. But the the thing that's going to or the, getting back to their secondary, their secondary is not playing up to the level that they were early in the year. I don't know if they're a little banged up or what, but Carlton Davis is not looking like the player he was earlier in the year. Wow, for real? You were all hot on Carlton Davis. I I was, but last last week you could see him versus New Orleans Saints and he he was struggling against covering some of those wide receivers. Was it on Michael Thomas too? Because it was in, a couple different players, but yeah. In in prototypical NFL fashion, it comes out Michael Thomas is all sorts of banged up and didn't practice during the week, and they would just get him juiced up for a game. So he was really gutting it out. So I remember Carlton Davis going into that week. I was telling you, like, oh now he can't be better than Devontae. And then he had a pretty darn good day against Devontae. The the corner in this secondary that most teams try to attack is Sean Murphy Bunting. I mean, that that seems to be the link, but it's not like the Buccaneers don't know that's the guy they got to, you know, put a safety over the top of. So I think the the way to have success here is the way we've been doing it all year, right? This this motion, this deception. And I think what's going to be interesting, and I hate the name that this formation got given because now anyone with a Twitter feed only wants to talk about this formation. But the two back sets out of shotgun we've been deploying, it appears they want to call it pony. The pony. And I, I want to ride the pony. I know it's just such a cute little name that now everybody's like, "Do you think we'll deploy more pony this weekend?" It's really annoying. But uh, what happened against the Rams was, if you remember the Aaron Jones motion coming out of that pre-snap, it felt a little like Tyler Irvin, Tavon Austin ask on those like bubble motion routes that we we're doing. Uh, what the Rams did was they followed that motion with a linebacker, and that gave numbers in the box to AJ Dillon. So those runs we're talking about early in the game, those were five on five. He had five linemen. He had five guys in the box. Easy call, right? Now, if the Buccaneers want to adjust and don't follow the motion of Aaron Jones or they don't respect it and follow it enough, look for Rodgers to try to take some pokes there. So two options, right? Throw the bubble screen to Aaron Jones and trust your perimeter blocking, which has been uh, uh, you know, fairly good. I, don't know. <laughs> I think we can all think of a couple plays that could have been better, but even better – Another scenario that can happen in that situation is linebacker stays in the box due to a fake handoff. Corner tries to jump Aaron Jones, and you got a guy running, right? So maybe a big play comes off of that concept because they're going to see what the Rams did and try to adjust to not allow those six-yard-to-pop runs up the middle. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe that's an option to take a deep shot. Well, and it'll be interesting because the Packers have succeeded so much off of play action this year. And with these linebackers, Devin White and Levante David, it is going to be hard to pull off that play action. They're very quick at recovering um, if they're not blitzing. Um, and, and they're very good at filling the run. So it, it'll be interesting to see um, the beginning of the game, how much we have success in the run game, or if we're just attacking the short passes to get, get them drawn back. Yeah, you talk about them being aggressive. Uh, they have eight and a half tackles for losses, but only two sacks this postseason. And this is against the Washington Redskins, who were on their, I don't even know, fifth 
quarterback. He was a backup in the XFL, like came out of nowhere. And then you even look at the Saints game, you know, all right, well, we got the four turnovers. They still gave up 20 points. I mean, the yards were almost even between the teams. The time of possession was almost even between the teams. I mean, if if the Saints take away two of those bad, bad turnovers, I don't think that we're facing the Bucks this week. So yep. it's just this weird defense where you look statistically and they're so good in so many departments. And, and we'll see how healthy JPP is. We'll see. I mean, JPP? JPP? But I, I just – this is a total – total Jekyll and Hyde defense where you just they'll have moments where they get burned up by a backup quarterback and then they'll have moments where they completely jump routes uh and and screens I think are going to be interesting you better get ready because those crews are going to eat those alive we just always have to be pushing forward and we have to keep this consistency that we've done really over the span of the year but more specifically in the last kind of month or so of our run offense and pass, the, the plays have been scripted so well in terms of really creating balance because that's how you're going to beat this team is keeping them off balance. Uh, and we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, I, I don't know. This is one of those teams that I just don't know what to make of because they should be very, very good. But then they keep showing these weaknesses each and every week. Do you think if the Saints – were the exact same team as they are today, but you had Drew Brady's of Drew Brady's, but you had Drew Brees of two years ago. The Saints win. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. done. Yeah, I think even if they don't play Drew Brees and they play somebody else at quarterback, they win. I think we have a quarterback that's better than Drew Brees. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's probably. talk. <laughs> <laughs> So let's go to our predictions. We have the early game on Sunday, but that doesn't mean that the weather won't be frozen tundra like Bucks, Packers. Who do you guys have? You know, I want to start with saying to the NFL, how dare you for not getting a night game in Lambeau Field during the playoffs? It'll finish in dark. <laughs> yeah, not the same thing. Not the same thing. But anyways... I'm going Packers, 35-31. It is a tough one, and it is weird going against Tom Brady in the playoffs instead of just hoping he loses in the AFC side uh, so you don't have to play him in the Super Bowl. So it's really weird seeing him on the NFC side, but, man, (laughs) I'm excited. Um, But now I know what everybody's been going through in the AFC. It's not a good feeling. Um, But it's going to be a battle between the quarterbacks. I mean, I honestly don't think these defenses will have an answer. Um, even if Tom Brady plays like he did last week, which was mediocre, we, we could argue that Aaron Rodgers sort of played mediocre last week. So even if that happens, they still are better than most quarterbacks. So I'm putting it on our defensive line this week. I'm taking Gary as the MVP, oh, yeah. boys. Oh, how this podcast has turned. <laughs> how oh. it has turned all since fans the beginning. Of the he has been playing out of his mind. And what he has been doing, not just getting past the offensive lineman, I said it last episode, how he's just pushing and manhandling these offensive linemen back into the face of the quarterback is blowing my mind. Um, so I think he's coming back with another five to seven quarterback pressures two sack day and this defensive line, him and Kenny Clark are going to eat it up again. And that's the reason we win this game. 
Very nice. I love that we have Rayshon Gary fans on this podcast <laughs> not named Dan. And he still has to wear a tiny shirt because of a bell. <laughs> this is a beautiful day. I almost actually went Rayshon Gary as my MVP, and then I hesitated because – sorry about the train in the background, but I hesitated because – Brady just gets the ball out so quick. Like he's 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 so smart. He's like, I'm not gonna get sacked if I don't have to get sacked. Uh, I love so maybe, that you bring up Rashawn and then the D train comes through. Yeah. Oh, oh, there you go. <laughs> Those aren't sound effects, folks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a similar score, but I I just give Brady so much respect that I can't predict a win by more than like three four points. I just know it's gonna be a single score game. I got the Packers 31-30. I I also think. Both offenses are not going to have their way, but the quarterbacks are going to put up points. You got the greatest of all time in Aaron Rodgers, and then the other guy, no, I'm kidding. You got the greatest of all time that just doesn't lose in this scenario, and then Aaron Rodgers, who is on one and knows that his legacy can be defined by getting a second ring uh, and and has this special vibe about him this year. I I don't want to be overconfident, but I'm a Packer homer, and we said we're coming into this podcast being homers. If you had to pick a straight-up MVP, obviously you just pick Rodgers because the weight of this team is on his back, and I think he can carry us. But the guy I want to call out, I've called him out a few times this year. I saw a Saints cornerback do it. You see Brady's throws have not trailed off as much as Breeze have, but when he throws his out routes, they do not have as much zip as they did when he was 25, when he was 35. Hell, he's so old you can say they don't have as much zip as they did when he was 40. Jumping out route, Jair Alexander, <laughs> and be my hero. Catch it! You could get that pick six that's just, you know, middle of the third quarter, and everyone's just like, that was game. That was it. That was it. We're going to the ship. It's time. It's time. Jair just puts his name on it. He outdueled Jalen Ramsey last week, get a little pick action against Tom Brady, and all of a sudden, you know, he goes into next year as bona fide number one in the NFL. I was supposed to go last because I uh, I was going to keep this in an unbiased podcast. Nah. It scares me. It scares me about the Buccaneers because if there is an NFL quarterback that I don't want to face in cold weather, it's Tom Brady. There is not a quarterback in this league that I would want to face when we do our very very. Here is your eight yard soft coverage. Uh, this defense is perfectly matched up for this offense uh, in terms of being quick, being aggressive, and getting back to Rodgers. But I think looking at how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have played, no disrespect to the football team and to the Saints, but the Packers are a better team than both of those by a notch or three. And so... The difference, I think, is actually going to be the motivation factor, not even including Ted Thompson, which was an out-of-left-field situation this week. An NFC championship home game for only the third time in Packers history. The fact that Rodgers can make it back to a Super Bowl after, whether you want to admit it or not, that storyline of love is going to come up repeatedly, but the amazing season he's had. But that the, he can go and literally outduel the guy that everybody is chasing in terms of that hierarchy of quarterbacks. This is this has destiny written all freaking over it. There's going to be moments of this game where you're going to throw up. There's moments of this game that you're going to be crying with joy. But the Packers will pull it off 34 to 30. Nice. My MVP, 
I love how that we're all going defense because I, I think that's where it has to be. Uh, I would say Savage needs to have his game, but I'm going to give it to this O-line. This O-line, we've talked about it again and again. They're always our post-game MVP. The O-line, if they can keep Rodgers upright, there's there's no way that we aren't going to put up 30-plus uh, and really make this a, a fun game to watch at Lambeau. You, you know, this could be as simple as who has the ball last. This mm-hmm. could be one of those games where, yeah, your team just drove down, but there's a minute and a half left, and, oh, Brady or Rodgers are going to do their thing. Oh, I don't see it coming down to anything else. Like, how, yeah, how did I, you expect anything else? Yeah, and it has to. It has to. It has to start just like the Rams game. Give them the ball first. Get a stop. Score that next play, knowing you have the second-half advantage. That is, in a for this Packers team specifically, a dramatic change in just the way they play, knowing that they kind of had that spare position in the second half. Yeah, and Brady likes to turn it on late, so I don't hate that mantra of deferring to the second half here. Let Rodgers try to manipulate the clock at the end of the first to get two possessions out of it. For sure. I love it. Let's do it. Call call Matt. (sighs) Man. I I hope we win. I I might cry if we lose. I hope we win. The podcast can't end next week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So with that, get all the linings and spotted cow you possibly can. Feel free to binge on whatever food you want and enjoy Packers playoff football. And we hope to have a very, very exciting episode dropping next Monday. Not being a day for me, boys. <laughs> Pizza, wings, so, happy plays. So thanks, everybody. Go, Pat, go. Go.